0: Now, one of the most unfair but important truths that I can tell you today is that even though you may not have been responsible for your breaking, you are responsible
1: for allowing Jesus to heal you. Welcome to the New Life Church Podcast, where we dive deep into the timeless truths of the Bible. My name is Jake, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be your host. In each of these episodes, we'll unpack the richness of the scriptures, exploring how its teachings can bring new life and meaning to our everyday existence. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, and uplifted as we navigate the profound wisdom of the Bible together. This is a place where faith meets daily life. This is New Life Church.
0: I really only remember hearing about fault lines, um, you know, a little bit in school. Well, I want to uh, spiritually discourage fault lines today. A natural fault line in geology is a breaking on the surface that traces a geological fault in the rock below. Um, the, The San Andreas fault line is the main one in California. It's actually the longest fault line in the world. Go figure. This is what they are. They're geological activities, but the fault line is what you can see on the top based on the breaking at the bottom. They're associated with volcanic activity because of the shifting of the tectonic plates beneath the surface. And what often will happen is the breaking open of a torrent of lava and magma, and earthquakes will happen, Uh, loss of life, terrible, terrible things happen along fault lines. It's a place of destruction, of death, of, of constant living in fear because of the fault line. Now I talked to uh, my uncle, he was actually a missionary They were in Belarus and he made this really morbid comment. He said, whenever there's an earthquake or a fault line interruption in Russia or Belarus, he said, there's not a lot of wounded people, everybody dies. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, they use concrete for all of their construction. So all the roofs are concrete. So he said, um, you know, they don't happen a lot but when they do, everybody dies. You know, just the enormous weight of concrete coming down, crushing, and destroying. Fault lines are are dangerous, dangerous things. So let me teach you about my homegrown definition of a spiritual fault line. And that's a much more simplistic thing. But here's how I will define it. It's an area where brokenness has occurred and therefore is much more likely to occur again. That's a spiritual fault line. Where a wound has happened, and maybe it's closed up and maybe it's dormant, but because of the nature of it, not even because we're not doing the things we could to heal it, it is much more likely to happen there and in that way and in that season or in that that style of wounding, we're more susceptible to that kind of wound, right? There are fault lines in this country, areas of breaking apart, and there is woundedness all around that area, and it's threatening to divide and destroy. The Word of God says in Proverbs 14, 34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sin is at the epicenter of every fault line. Jeremiah 18, 9 through 10 and if I at any time to declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do for it. That's a powerful scripture. If they will do evil in my sight and not listen to my voice, I will relent of the good that I had intended to do for it. God has blessed our nation. God has over the generations and over over a long period of time over the 100 you know 200 years plus that it's been around God has richly blessed our nation but our nation has always had a very strong undergirding of kingdom of church of honoring God spiritually there was a pretty strong unity around the cross and around Jesus Christ obviously there's divisions and there's you know different denominations and styles there's Catholics and Protestants and there's a, you know a billion different types of Protestants and Orthodox but there was the cross, there was Jesus. And the more that we stray from that, the more we're seeing. Um, but if you've seen the debt load, um, there, there is a weight bearing down on this nation that's unbelievable. Now, and we look at the, the rights and freedoms that our, that our founding fathers, God bless them, they, they believed in and they found them and rooted in the scripture. Uh, the right to personal property, they found that rooted in biblical teaching. Uh, the, the right to freedom of expression, uh, the right, all these freedoms, self-defense, self-determination, they found those in the Word, and they also found the value of each and every human being in the Word because we're made in God's image. Now, these things are being uh, undergirded or, or torn apart at the fabric, right? The fabric of our nation, socially and spiritually, is being torn asunder, and we have got to have strong men and women of God to stand up, because righteousness exalts a nation. There's good and bad, um, you know, on both sides, you know, of the of the aisle, politically speaking. There, you know, there's there's some things that each party may stand for. That's that's a good thing, or you know, on its face. And like I said, there's good and bad. Like you know, th- th- there's no uh, there's no socialist or Democrats or Republicans in the Bible. Um, there's publicans, which are bad, but that's not the same thing, right? But I will say and I'm going to say this while I can, there's only really one, there's actually only one side that wants to murder babies, sexualize children, destroy the nuclear family, infantilize men and abuse women as their party statement. There are fault lines in this country, and, and this is not policy, this is not politics, this is godliness, this is righteousness, there's, this is wickedness and demonic influence. This is not just a matter of preference. This is not just a, these aren't your Ronald Reagans or even your Kennedys. Or th- This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about blatant anti-God, anti-Christ activity. I'm talking about a statue of Satan being raised up in the county you know, courthouse right alongside the cross. We're, we're not dealing with the same type of demonic activity or the same type of social issues that we have before, and it's going to require greater sacrifice and courage and godliness and righteousness, which exalts a nation. Amen. There are fault lines in this country. Government and Satan have a very long, healthy, amicable work relationship. Uh, because, and the reason why, and we can have good governments, and the smaller it is, the better it usually is, but government will try to stand in the seat of God and be the ultimate authority in the world. That's the problem. It's the overreach. God is the ultimate authority. And as far as legislating righteousness, some people, well, you can't legislate righteousness. Then by what standard is murder or rape wrong? What are you talking about? Think it all the way through. What is your actual standard by which you're saying that perverse abuse of children is wrong? Or theft or anything. If you, Unless you have an ultimate standard, then yeah, of course we're gonna legislate righteousness. Amen, and I'm for it. Now, I believe, I believe in people's personal rights, you know, to, uh, but they're, they're, those rights are as given from the Word of God. That's where we found them. Racial division and segregation are wicked. And the pain of the sins of the past are a fault line and a wound that still exists today in this country. We're seeing that fault line. We're seeing a lot of wounding, a lot of hurting people, a lot of abused people, and a lot of tension around the fault lines where great sins and great uh, wickedness has been done in the past. It's still a fault line. But here's the problem. The solutions for these fault lines and these wounds offered by woke progressives are wrong. And they're wrong because they repudiate the word of God. They're against the word of God. And, And not everybody is, you know, is satanic or or wicked who wants to do, but the truth is anything that repudiates the Word of God as the solution is wrong. Wokeness is the demonic counterfeit to spiritual new birth. See, and the reason why is because wokeness and and progressivism, uh, the things that we're seeing today trying to address the fault lines, it's looking at everything through the lens of humanism rather than through the lens of the Word of God and who God is and through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. There are fault lines in this country, and we need God to heal them. There are fault lines within people. Now, th- this is the next part that, that I want to teach uh, that, that we all kind of have some of these areas I'm sure uh, each one has a different type of wound you, you you have things maybe that you've healed from or maybe that you haven't healed from and they still exist but it is an area in your life where it's uh, it's a sensitive subject there's been brokenness in the past and and you're more uh, you're more geared toward and you're more uh, you're more kind of in line with and sensitive to and almost looking for um, and, and being on guard for brokenness in it in the future. I I have a sensitivity to that. Anytime anyone says that word, I just automatically, I don't even care what context it's in. I'm already on my guard. So anytime someone talks to me that way or anytime someone mentions that subject, I'm already ready to roll. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to push back because it's a fault line in my life. I want to talk to you about sin. Sin is a fault line. One in three Of those who are abused sexually as a child will become abusers if they don't get healed and they need Jesus to do the healing. 75% of molesters and rapists were abused as children. 75%. I'm talking about fault lines in people. That is a fault line. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. So you, you don't have to. You don't have to be that way, and you don't have to go down the road that got you here, and you don't have to perpetrate the same things on people. You don't have to wound, and you don't have to hurt, and you don't have to abuse. Broken people tend to break people. Hurting people tend to hurt people. But because of the blood of Jesus, which can change the sinner into the saint and reverse these things and bring healing to a life and put people back together stronger than they were ever before, thank God that he heals those fault lines but we have to address them. And in order to address fault lines, we have to be aware that the enemy is a roaring lion and he doesn't just attack whatever's in front of him. That's important. That's, I, we have to teach that real quick. I hate him so bad because he doesn't just go after the strong ones. He goes as a roaring lion. And here's the mental picture that I get from the word of God here. If I scream real hard, some of you might flinch, and psychologically, some of you who would flinch are the ones who've been screamed at real hard before. And you might get ready to hit me in the mouth, or you might just cower in your seat. And I wouldn't go after the one I thought would hit me in the mouth if I was the enemy, but I'd go after the one that cowered in the seat. Some people might go into a uh, into survival mode, and they might curl up in a ball and begin to weep because of abuse, because of. Spiritual fault lines, because where brokenness has happened before, brokenness is likely to happen again or more susceptible to happen again. People have spiritual fault lines, and we need Jesus to heal the wounds and to bind up. the. He said he came to bind up the broken heart. What is that? What happens when you bind it up? It means you're taking something that's broken, and you're putting it back together, and you're putting something in place to hold it together. I came to heal and to bind up the broken, brokenness. Now, one of the most unfair but important truths that I can tell you today is that even though you may not have been responsible for your breaking, you are responsible for allowing Jesus to heal you. That's not fair and it's not easy and you didn't ask for that workload, right? You didn't ask for, to have to undergo your own healing, but it is what it is. It's a sin-cursed, broken, wicked world And the only way to healing is Jesus. And it is our responsibility to come to the master. I mean, the one with the issue of blood, there's nothing she could do to heal herself but she could get in touch with the master. And she did everything, hands and knees, crawled all the way to Jesus till she could very, just touch the hem of his garment, the hem of his robe, and she received healing virtue and healing grace went out from him without even knowing it and healing occurred in that woman who was broken. And it's not her fault that she got sick or that she was a hemophiliac. It's not her fault um, that, that she couldn't fix herself, but it was, the impetus was on her to meet Jesus and to allow Jesus to do the healing work that she needed. So brokenness within people. Now, rejection is a fault line. And I think that we've all been there to some point. You've been rejected by the group. You've been rejected by somebody that you love and that you cared about or someone that you really respected, Rejection is a powerful, powerful fault line uh, because it, it, it lasts. It makes us to feel uh, you know, th- this certain way for, for generations sometimes. And we can bring, and we can, uh, it, it's a living deal, man. You grow that and you nurture that rejection from friends or from the group or from family or from mother or from father, from your spouse. And, and that rejection, it really is a lot like a weed, man. You just can't hardly kill it. It, it grows and it thrives and it reproduces in other areas. But ultimately, rejection is a fault line, a spiritual fault line. And I began to think of Jezebel. She is a great picture of rejection and how it can manifest in sin in someone's life. See, what you may not know about Jezebel is she was given away to the enemy by her father. Now, her father's name was Ethbaal which means Baal is on his side, or he's on Baal's side, and Baal blesses him, he's Baal's guy, and Baal is this demonic false god that they worship, and, and names are Jezebel, which is another type of the name of this d- wicked and demonic false god. And so he gives her away um, to the king of Israel, who is Ahab, who is the enemy. They're not the same. They're not on the same page, but he uses him basically as a footstool or uses her as like just a pawn, you know, for his career basically, or for his personal stuff and and, and gives her away. And she feels keenly that rejection. Now she's isolated. She's been given away to the enemy. Uh, She has no more connection with the family, doesn't have any friends. They don't worship like her. And so this young, beautiful woman, Woman is thrust out into a situation where she feels rejection, and I want to propose something to you today. I don't believe that Jezebel's story had to be that way. It never does. I thought about this for a little while. Um, Jezebel, and her story and what she did and her ending and her influence, her demonic, wicked influence over the children of Israel and persecuting the prophets and, and control and manipulation and projection and just all this evil that comes from her, it did not have to be that way. And here's how I'll make my case. Um, Rahab is a a prostitute, a, a false God-serving um, prostitute running her own house um, in, a, in a foreign land, and whenever she has the opportunity to break free from the... The, from the ties that bind, from the yoke there, uh, she chooses the scarlet cord. And is not only freed from the uh, from the future of, of of what she had been set up for, not only freed from sin, from the the effects of sin and the demonic uh, stronghold. There, she actually is is brought into the very bloodline of Jesus Christ. Because when because you know we, we may not have any control over where we come from. We we don't have any control over who our, our mother and father are. God bless you if you have a good one, and God help you if you don't to overcome in all things. But it doesn't matter in the end because God opens that door and says, be grafted into my people and to my heart and be a son and be a daughter with me. You don't have to be the product of their, you don't have to live along your fault lines. There's better things for you. Well, I thought about Ruth. Ruth is a Moabitess and the Moabites are enemies of Israel. They are wicked people. They, they're involved in, in perversion and child sacrifice and wicked, horrible things. The Moabites, they're vicious, evil people. And she has just a chance, just a chance. And she marries into a better family, but in the end, he passes away, he dies, and so she's looking at what seems to be a hopeless situation with a mother-in-law who calls herself bitter, but says, I would still rather go with you. And she goes and she works in the fields and and endures the racism and endures like the marginalization and everything that comes with it as she goes into these fields and and is mocked by some, but she meets Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, the Goel, which is another beautiful picture of Christ Jesus. And what happens? Brings her right into the very bloodline of Jesus again. Married, she has kids, and then the fields that she used to just get the, the waste and the garbage basically from, she owns them. But most importantly, let me, I present to you Asanath. Now, some of you are like only vaguely know who I'm talking about whenever Joseph was thrust out into the pain and the trauma of his story, he ends up in a pit, he ends up um, in in, a, uh, you know, in Potiphar's house and in the prison and then in the palace, right? And then back into the very will of God. Um, he did get married and then produced two heirs, Manasseh and Ephraim, who are powerfully, um, you know, given a double portion in the land, right? So awesome. That didn't happen by himself. It happened because a man married a woman. And they had children. Amen. So Asenath is the exact opposite of what Jezebel could have been. Asenath has been given to this young man as a wife, and her father is a false priest to a demonic god. And you know what she does? She says, I got a shot here. I got a chance. I can either go in and act like Jezebel and try and control everything and bring my wickedness and my pain and my fault lines into the new relationship, or I can be led and encouraged and come right into line with the God of the universe, with forgiveness, with healing, with hope, with a future, hallelujah. And she comes and she converts to the God of Israel, to the God of Joseph. And next thing you know, she is wound right into the people of God and has a double portion inheritance in the land. Hallelujah. All she needed was a shot to move away from that fault line. But Jezebel didn't. Same situation, right? but she chooses to take the fault line of rejection. The difference between her and the others is also a weak and passive husband who should have led her to God I feel a little bit bad for her because where Asenath got to marry Joseph who, who wouldn't compromise his convictions no matter how much you paid, no matter how beautiful we were, no matter how much rejection in his life, he was not going to compromise. He said, how can I do this? How the God has been too good to me. I wish some of us would remember that whenever, whenever we're, we're challenged by the world, say, what, are we, what am I talking about? What are you talking about? How am I going to operate in this? God has been too good for me. I've seen his hand faithful to me in the land of the living. He's supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He has brought life when there was death. He has brought wholeness where there was brokenness. He has forgiven me of my sins, encouraged me, set me up, established my way, provided for me in the time of famine and given me all and more that I ever could have deserved or even asked. He has been awfully good to me. I wish somebody would help me preach today. God has been really, really good to you people and he's been really, really good to this guy. He has been good to all of those who have called him Lord and Savior and followed after him. And we got to remember that. Amen? We've got to remember it. So I feel bad for Jezebel because where Asenath got to meet this guy and, and, and be led well into the things of God, into the blessings of God, and she makes the right choice, Jezebel gets Ahab. A weak, cowardly, passive man. Oof. I, have to, I do have to throw this in here. Um, you know who conquered the most territory by the sword in all of Israel's kingdom history? David. You know who comes second after David? Ahab. So because you're tough in some areas, in some exterior areas, doesn't make you spiritually less susceptible to the fault line, right? You may even have the appearance from some as to, as to, to being where you're supposed to be or doing what you're supposed to do. You know, he, he, was, he was a man of war. He, he had his chariot. He, he, was, he, he did good in some areas, some external visual areas, but at home. And so when he could have brought in Jezebel, led, ministered, set some boundaries, and turned her around, right? And said, God placed me over the kingdom. This is my purview. And he shouldn't have given it away, but he did because he was a weak and passive man. And we're living in a nation full of weak and passive men. And, and I do blame them because there is that in, in, in a man. Even, even the weakest and most cowardly and most broken man, there is that in us that is aware of what God's calling over us is, which is to be, uh, to, to be good, to be strong, to be protectors, to serve others, uh, to rise up with courage, right? We, we're all aware on some level of that. But this system, the world system that we're, is here today uh, is so demonic you know what surrounded, you read this in the Word of God, and I'm way off my notes here, but what surrounded Jezebel, she had a bunch of people around her. You know who they were? Eunuchs, castrated men. I think you got the point. I don't even have to yell about that for 45 seconds. Um, what, what allows wickedness in a nation is weak, courageless men. Now, am I being sexist? No, I'm saying, I'm saying that men are the problem in a lot of ways and a lot of times. Amen. We're, we're here to protect, to bless, to raise up, to defend, to establish. We need a generation of people who will choose to not live at the fault line and to allow God to do what he wants to do. And I'll tell you what God wants to do after I'm done with this part. There are fault lines within the church in today's world. I bless you for coming here because you had to stomach my best attempts to preach, perhaps, but this is a Bible-believing church, a Bible-teaching church. have a high view, the highest view of Scripture. We're looking straight up at it. We have a very high view of Scripture. Amen. And we love tradition where it intersects with Scripture, right? And then where it diverges, uh, we have no use for it. Amen. Especially where it contradicts it, which some traditions do. Don't need it. Don't want it. Want it gone. But there are fault lines within the church. There have been abuses of power and God-given authority in the church. Yeah. Amen. Abuses. I've seen the weaponizing of Scripture for personal means and personal um, agendas against people. Amen. Seeing the weaponizing of holiness or the terminology. And we believe in biblical holiness borne out by the scripture, by the word of God. Amen, more of it, amen. Greater revelation, greater obedience in all things that God would have us to do, amen. Let us be joined and impacted and conformed to his character as outlined in the scripture, amen. Love, holiness don't love some of the stuff that got slipped in along with it. There have been abuses within the church. There's fault lines, fault lines, even within the church. The Catholic church, and I'm not just putting them on blast alone. just all, you know, there's a lot of churches, uh, but you know, most, most notably covering up for on an institutional level um, the, the, the abuse and molestation of, of, of children. That is a fault line, and it causes a lot of good people probably to stumble. And we need men of God to hold accountable those who share this sacred desk and those who have any influence in God's holy church. There's coming a time when we're going to be held accountable. I'm preaching to our men. We're going to be held accountable. Amen? And I'm preaching to our preachers with grace and love for all, preaching the unadulterated, courageous truth of God's Word. Now, let me talk to you real quick about a man who I find no fault in amen, because I'm not looking to a man, thank God, or I'd be backslid, I'd be desperate, I'd be broken, I'd be living in my fault line time after time again because I've upset and I've disappointed people and I've let people down and they've let me down in return again and again and again, but thank God. God. There was a man who was brought before Pontius Pilate and the situation he looked him up and down. He heard the reports. The people had watched him and he said, push come to shove all together even though I'd like to make this a clean ending. I find no fault in him and there's no brokenness in Jesus. There's no woundedness in Jesus. There's no hurting and there's no abuse in Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God who raised himself from the dead and binds up the brokenhearted and heals and teaches and loves, and forgives, and He covers, and He is God.
1: Life often confronts us with faults and fractures that are beyond our control and that leave us broken. Yet, in our brokenness, remember this profound truth, that Jesus came to bind the broken heart. Like the woman with the issue of blood, we know that despite the odds, despite societal barriers, and despite the challenges, We must take responsibility for our own healing by reaching out to Jesus and being made whole. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the New Life Church podcast. We are truly grateful for each and every one of our listeners, so thank you. For a full transcription of today's sermon and more resources, head over to our website at newlifechurchspringfield.com. I can't wait to dive into the next episode with you. Until then, stay connected. Stay inspired and God bless. See you next time.